What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Hey there, welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. By way of introduction, if you don't know me, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. I am an inspirational speaker, I'm an author, and I'm an organizational logotherapist. You can learn more about me at elisecortez.com or gusto-now.com. If you've been tuning into this program for a while, then you know that this is a thought leadership series that's designed to enliven and inspire listeners with insights from distinguished business, business leaders, subject matter experts, and authors. And by listening in, you're part of the movement to create inspirational leaders that create a place where we want it, where we can thrive and organizations that better the world. Glad you're here. Now I want to do this week's program. My guest today is Howard Shore. He's the founder and CEO of Activate Group and the author of several books, including his most recent, which we'll be talking about today, is called The Leader Launchpad, Five Steps to Fuel Your Business and Lift Your Profits. He joins us today from the Miami, Florida area. Howard, welcome to Working on Purpose. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And as you know, um, I read my my guest books cover to cover because you're part of my ongoing university education. So thank you for that, Howard. And as I told you, I got some real pearls from your book. Thank you. And there's the ones that I picked out are the ones that I think are really pertinent to what our leader or our listeners and viewers want to hear. So I'm going to be I'm going to take you through, as you know, a whole list of questions here. But before we do that, I think it's important for our listeners and viewers to know a little bit more about you. And I've learned that you've got quite an interesting story in that growing up um, early in life, you had ADHD, sleep apnea, and dyslexia, and that you credit your mother for your for seeing your potential and helping steward your life. Let's hear a little bit about what was that like growing up and how did you overcome that? Well, if you go really, really early, like elementary school, with all the issues I had, ADHD, sleep apnea, all of that stuff, they wanted to put me into special education. And my mom knew that I didn't belong in that program. She knew from interacting with me that I, I had the chops to go through the regular program. I just had some issues that they were not used to dealing with back in the Stone Age. So my mom, you know, she went, she advocated on my behalf. And to give an example of how she did that, there was like a little entrance exam you had to take. And I didn't do very well on it because of my dyslexia and all that. My mom said, listen, if you just allow my son to go and do this verbally. Just tell him the questions and he'll give you the answers. If he doesn't pass, then I'll give in and I'll let you go to uh, special education. And sure enough, I did great. And that was a pivot point. Um, but throughout my life, uh, there, there were all kinds of moments like that where people did not see what I was capable of. Uh, they did not know how to interact with me. So they were not uh, unlocking my potential. And, uh, and it took her to help me see what 
I was capable of so that I would power through. That's beautiful, Howard. So two things to that. First, thanks, mom, all the moms out there on the planet for that beautiful sort of work that you do in our lives. And two, anyone listening who's a leader, there's some real gems in that, right? If you can see the potential of your people and help them realize their greatness, that's part of being an inspirational leader. And that's that story that Howard just gave us is gold for that. So beautiful, Howard. Thanks for starting with that. And then next, um, I also think it's pretty fantastic that like many other entrepreneurs, you didn't go straight to college after high school. No, no. Oh, no. Instead, what you did is you skipped off and you bought a company and then sold it a few years later. So tell us a little bit about that experience and what you learned from it and what 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 you gained from it. Well, there's the paper, uh, the, the, the way people look at it on paper. What a great success. 18 years old, bought a business, sold it when I was 21, get a five times return on my investment. So on paper, it looks great. But I got to tell you, folks, I want to do over. <laughs> you want to all again? I definitely want to do over. If I were to go back then, knowing kind of what I know now, I would realize first of all, I had other than knowing the product and service and what needed to happen for customers, I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about unlocking and tapping into the full potential of your employees. I didn't know anything about cash and financial statements, and God knows how I got from one side to the other. Uh, and even as a leader, I mean, I, I just, you know, could have been 10 times better than I was. And I just didn't know any better. I, I wish back then I had a coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and that's one thing I definitely want to talk about because you, you are a, you're today now, I don't even know how many times you've done this over, but you're a serial entrepreneur today. You are a well-recognized businessman and a coach. Um, and you told me in our conversation that you understood cash and that's really interesting, right? I, I think you have a CPA as well. Um, but you also, you know, I love this, this phrase that you have in the book. It says revenue is vanity, profit is sanity and cash is king. So this actually goes back to the first business. So one of the problems I ran into in my first business is I was growing 100% every quarter and I never had anything to pay myself. I never had any money. And then I remember going to my accountant saying, I don't understand this problem. I've got a great gross margin. I'm growing and I never have any money. And he's like, well, Howard, have you ever looked at your balance sheet? I said, no, I keep looking at my income statement. He's like, your balance sheet is horrible. He says, you have one financial model problem that you don't realize. He says, so you're, you are growing at 100%. He says, how often do you pay your employees? I said, well, you know that. I pay them twice a month. So great. So you're paying them you know, twice a month. And then how often do your clients pay you per month? So well, I don't know how often. And I found out that my average client would pay me every three to four months. I had a business model problem and I was going to go bankrupt if that business model continued. So after I sold that business, I realized the one thing, if I'd learned anything, I really wanted to understand just the whole financial modeling of business. And that was the only reason I studied accounting. Actually, I was bored out of my mind, and, and uh, but that's a whole other story. But I really then learned that you know, people that they only look at one chapter of the story and there's all these other chapters and you got to put them together to get your whole story. And then I realized that a lot of leaders, and I see this all the time, are they don't understand the inputs and the outputs in the right way. They just know uh, revenues and expenses, but they don't understand bad leadership destroys your P&L. They don't understand that when you're, you don't have a good strategy, you don't grow. They don't understand that 
most of the things they're working on on a daily basis will barely move the needle. They actually choose the wrong priorities. And by understanding cause and effect, we do a much better job of looking at much better priorities that will make much bigger dents in where you want to head to. Mm. Beautiful, Howard. And let's go back to what you said before I asked you that question, which was the importance of having a, a, a coach or a mentor. So you went and talked with your accountant who helped you understand this. And I know you've used your own coaches over the years as well, as have I. I have two that I work with right now. And I do think, I just gave a keynote speech a couple weekends ago talking about the importance of mentors and coaches, right? In my view, um, I, I just, I know that I would not be living my purpose if I didn't have the coach that I did. I would not be doing the work that I'm doing if I didn't have the coaches. So your perspective on coaches? So first of all, I love mentors, coaches, peer groups. To give you an idea of how much I love that and how much I depend on it, I participate in two mastermind groups. One is an all-coaches mastermind group. Another one is an all-CEO mastermind group. And then I have a whole third group that I'm part of that I'm just trying to learn from other CEOs all the time. And so I've had mentors in my life. I've had coaches. And to be honest with you, my, my wife would tell you, thanks to my entering this field and thanks to my hiring those coaches, I'm a different person. I'm a much better version of myself because of my interactions with those other peers as well as those coaches. Mm-hmm. I hear, hear, Howard, me too. And and I, I have, I'm never going to be done, right? I'm still I'm still climbing that rope, that ladder and getting where I want to go. And I can't do it by myself. I can't do it with the, with the package that I am today. So I look for those people to help pull me up and teach me and frankly, keep me accountable to my dreams. So I'm with you on the importance of coaches. Um, all right, let's shift to leadership. Um, one of the other things, and of course, I take copious notes, as you know, because I sent them on to you. But I, one of the things that I appreciate about your book is I like your stance that a person's character is, is the foundation for their leadership. And you talk about five traits that you characterize as comprising great leadership. And I want to talk about each of them briefly for our listeners. And I like how you also you, you suggested that there these five traits are exhibited by people that we would recognize, like Nelson Mandela, Margaret Thatcher, Abraham Lincoln and Warren Buffett. Um, so I want to talk about how, how your, your perspective on each one of them. So the first one you, you listen, you talk about is integrity. So tell us about integrity. So for me, I've learned the secret to success in anything, being a parent, being a business owner in anything is trust. So when trust goes down, then everything slows down. When trust goes down, cost goes up. And so I realized that from an integrity standpoint, as a leader and the great leaders do this, they think about before they communicate, before they act, before they decide, how is this going to affect reputation of the company, of you as a leader? How's it gonna affect your employees? And if the answer is, well, I just want to make a buck, then the, the reality is, is you're going to probably breach trust. So I realized that the center of the universe is the higher the trust, the faster we can go, the higher the trust, the more we can do together, the lower we're in trouble. And that's where the integrity button came from. Got it. Gorgeous. Love it. I'm aligned. Humility. Man, this is a, this is a huge one. So, uh, you know, ego 
gets a lot of people to where they are, but then it gets them on their way to get them to where they could be. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I learned, and this is why we're in the peer groups and all the other stuff, is man, we have to be curious. And the more people you have around you, the more you have an ability to access more brains. And our job as leaders is to find out what's in everybody else's head. And by co-creating, we can get so much done. But if we don't have humility, that will never happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Agreed. And even just the way you talk and present yourself, Howard, I feel has a has a humble, a humble way about you and, and it's accessible, right? It gives us access to you. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I like Thank you're you. welcome. I, I love that smile you just gave me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my day. <laughs> good, good. It's so easy, right? When we tell people what's on our heart, it's so easy to make someone stay, right? Agreed. Which gets us to number three. You talk about the importance of expressing care. You know, I've just seen, and I've been around too many leaders that all they care about is themselves. And uh, they, they, many of them get wealthy, many of them accomplish a lot of things, but there's a lot of dead bodies along the way. And, you know, and I'm going to actually take this out of the book. My wife is a fantastic leader. And one of the things that I learned from her, she demonstrated. So it's one thing to say you care, it's another thing to demonstrate it. And one of the things that I watched when she demonstrated how much she cared about everybody else man all oars were in the water the yeah. co-creation was great everybody was in it for each other uh, but it starts with you as a leader demonstrating you care about others more than yourself mm -hmm. agreed I don't think anybody wants to get through this life hoping that nobody recognized that they were there and present and they actually made a difference I, I don't think anybody wants to fly into the radar like that <laughs> oh, okay number four is consistency like that too so, you know, I got to ask you, Elise, have you ever worked for somebody and, and you've wondered like tomorrow, which one am I going to get? Which Michael am I going to get tomorrow? Uh, and, and, and then they give you priorities and you're like, I'm going to wait because a week later it's going to be something different and I won't even be halfway through it and they're going to throw that out the window. That's what I mean by consistency. We need to know that the vision is, is going to stay the same regardless of what the storms are outside, you know, outside the boat. We need to know that the priorities are the priorities and we need to know that we can count on that leader not to be all over the place. And when we do, we can be the best versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what I wrote down in my notes for you on that point was, it, it, you know, being reliable and predictable. Like I can count, it's like saying, I can count on Howard for these kinds of behaviors. I can count on him for this kind of feedback, right? That's another way that I think about consistency. Yes, and hopefully those are good things because if yeah. you're consistently awful, <laughs> we're in trouble, right? Right. Right. Well, I've certainly met and worked with people who were consistently unreliable. Right. So there's we definitely we're not we're not distinguishing that camp. We're distinguishing the positive features. But yes. Um, and then finally, influence is your number five. So this was a big change in my life as I've grown up and gotten much older uh, was kind of realizing what really gave me joy and what really made great things happen. So when we're impacting others every day in different ways, either as the leader, as their supervisor, or our customers, when we're impacting others in a positive way, that really fills up our hearts and our energy to a whole nother level. And you'll get so much more out of life and, and out of everyone around you when you actually you live at a higher purpose. Of course, you know I align with that. Yes, I know. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. 
Um, okay, I just wanted to grab this really quick, just because I really like the way that you you talked about this. We were talking about leadership, and now I want to go into employer brand. And so I like the way that you distilled employer brand as the relationship between leaders and employees, and that it tells prospective employees what they can expect should they decide to go to work for the organization. That's so crisp and accessible, Howard. So there's two elements to this I think is important. We have to realize as employers that giving good benefits and pay, you know, that's table stakes, right? And the the employees we really want, the people we really want in the boat with us on our team, you know, they're usually in high demand. Even at the lowest levels, they're the better workers. They're the ones that do two to three times more work than everybody else. And so when they're coming to our company or they're in their company, they need to know what's in it for them. And I know that when uh, we get this right, our existing employees wind up bringing in two thirds of the new employees because they're telling everybody, this is what you get here. You never stop learning. We play to win, but we have fun. They have to know what's really in it for them. And then you become a magnet. I've seen too many companies where they would be embarrassed if we kind of laid out what their brand is right now. It's the reason you're a revolving door. It's the reason when you put up ads people don't apply it's because you have a bad reputation and that's what I mean by employer brand mm-hmm. and you by the way you can have great products and have a and and have a, a bad employer brand mm-hmm. absolutely I've seen a few of those all right it's already time let's grab our first break I'm Dr. Elise Cortez your host we are in the air with Howard Shore he's the founder and CEO of Activate Group and the author of the book the, the Leader Launchpad, and also Your Business is a Leaky Bucket. He joins today from Miami, Florida. We've been talking a bit about leadership and some of the key elements that I got from his book. After the break, we'll continue the conversation. Stay with us. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm very excited to share with you that my my first full-length book is actually out on Amazon now. It's called Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Unleash Passion and Elevate Cause. And I wrote it to transform readers into inspirational leaders who will radically alter the workplace as we know it and how, how business is done for the better. So I hope there's something there for you and hopefully your team. If you're just joining us, my guest is Howard Shore. He's the founder and CEO of Activate Group and the author of The Leader Launchpad and Your Business is a Leaky Bucket. He joins us today from Miami, Florida. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. All right, so Howard, um, before we go into this, somebody was asking here in the chat room, when do we stop climbing? And I just want to quickly grab that. From my vantage point, when I talk about climbing, what I mean is growing. And so the answer to the question is never. Until you're dropped into the ground, you never stop growing. Your perspective, Howard? Oh, well, you've already 
nail the uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. We we definitely should never stop growing. But this gets back to humility and curiosity. Mm-hmm. So if you're curious, every time you go out and try to find something new, learn what other people think, learn new ideas, read books, that kind of stuff, you're growing. And mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to keep doing that. Otherwise, you just you 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 crumble up. Your brain just shuts off. Well, and by the way, that um, that learning journey um, to be curious and such, that's actually one of the ways that we find meaning in, in our life is, is those experiences and those encounters. Um, so when we learn something, it's also it's how we experience meaning. So, of course, as a logotherapist, I'm all over that. Um, all right. So for this segment, I wanted to talk more about leadership and also starting to, to create and run a purpose anchored business. And so first, I want to talk about how you 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 made a distinction in your book and you that you took a, a move away from labeling talent A, B, and C. And I completely agree with that. Instead, you've moved to simply performing versus not performing. Um, and so talk a little bit about that, that distinction and why that's important. So I've been involved in everything from startup to $20 billion in revenue. And I've watched how all of these structures work and how everything happens. And they have these really fancy performance reviews. And we name people A, Bs, and Cs. And, mm-hmm. and they go through all of this mess. And then we miss the whole picture. So typically, whenever we've gone into a, a, a situation and we try to see how everybody's doing, we will just label them as performing or not based on the fact that are they meeting the key performance indicators we expected because we hired them? And do they live all of our core values? And what I learned by doing this consistently in, in, in over a thousand companies is that usually about 50% of the people at any given point in time, because there wasn't the right focus on it, were not performing. And meanwhile, they're getting, you know, you know, okay performance appraisals, but it's not being highlighted for everybody what performance is and how many people are actually doing that. And this is a big leak in company buckets. So as we talked about earlier in understanding cash, we have found that in every business, you're losing at least a million dollars and a likely a lot more because we're not clear on performance versus non-performance. Mm-hmm. So crisp. I love that, Howard. Love that. Now, this is not quite related, but I think this is so important to talk about because I've seen that I've been brought into companies to try to address this, but I really, really resonated um, and have seen so much poisoning inside organizations when an employee or leader is allowed to torment co-workers emotionally, as you say. And and you write that it costs a company at least 2.5 times the salary of the tormentor, which is fascinating. Say more about this. So if the tormentor is front lines, it's two and a half times. If the higher up you go on the, the organization, this multiplies. So it can be as much as 28 times salary at the CEO level, and then you kind of fill it in in between. So at the manager level, I would say the bottom is five times. And the reason is, you know, that person is, is they're either going to multiply the people underneath them or you're going to get half out of everybody underneath them. And right. what I've seen, and we've actually measured this in certain companies, where when the tormentor, we can call them, or just the non-performer or the, the manager that's not living core values, what will happen is they, they infect everybody else. So everybody else slows down because they're now dealing with this other person. Right. Um, I've seen in companies where the manager uh, is so bad that 
you can't hire into their department. So the rest of the company is great, but in their department, you can't get anybody in there because the reputation is so bad in that department. And of course, employees talk. So it just slows everything down. And you can't just look at the individual. You have to look at all the people they infect, including your customers and your vendors. Mm-hmm. And so from a leadership vantage point, the reason I wanted to talk about this is that it's so important to remove, address and or remove that poison from your business. And, and I've seen way too often that gets let to go on and on and on because the, the, the bigger leader doesn't either have the courage or the, the, the competency or the skills to address that. Can I, can I give you a great story on that one? Because I want to make sure this sticks with everybody. Yeah, you so bet. There was a company, I was the chief operating officer of this company, and, and I had the sales force um, that, that I had to work with every day. And we had this huge team of salespeople. And we had this one guy, his name was Julio. And Julio, every day for our daily meeting in the morning to set up for the sales day, would show up late, come in and disrupt the meeting. Uh, and, you know, I came to the conclusion that this person, not only was he not performing, because I was watching his behaviors and his actions, but everybody else around him just couldn't get what they needed to. And I remember going to the owners of this company and I'm like, Julio needs to go. And they're like, no way. He he has our largest client. He represents 15% of our, our company. And he was one of the original employees. And finally, I had to push them against the wall. I said, listen, it's going to be him or me. I can't perform with this guy on my team. And I was certain that if I got rid of him, everybody else's performance would go up and we wouldn't even skip a beat because he wasn't worth it. So we eventually let him go. And within two weeks, I had several of the employees come around him, uh, come into my office and they just said, listen, I want to say thank you. What do you want? Why do you want to say thank you? We we heard all about this company and your core values and how you ran. And then we came in here and we were afraid you guys weren't going to live those values. And now that you have, we're so much happier that we made this choice coming from your competitors. Not only did everybody who sat around this guy's cubicle, did their performance go up? I put a rookie in his seat. And um, and the performance of his largest client went up. And to as a testament, because I want to get to the tentacles of this, about a month in, the CEO gets a phone call from the, the CEO of our largest client. Unsolicited, normally that's not a good thing. And so the CEO is like, oh, my God, Howard made a horrible decision. Well, it turned out I made a great decision. He said he just called up to say it was about time. Yeah. And, and our CEO was Everybody like, what knows. do you mean? Yeah. It's about time. He says, we couldn't stand that guy. So, you know, we, we didn't lower our orders, but we stopped buying um, more because we, we just couldn't stand him. And then, by the way, did you notice he hasn't been in our building for two years? We banned him from our building. And, and so then it was like, well, why didn't you say anything? Well, we thought he was related to you or something right. because the way in which you guys let him get away with anything, we just thought he was family. So we thought it was fruitless. Yeah, that's a great story. And this is, it's, this is, it just can't go on. So I really wanted to make sure we treated that. That was awesome, Howard. And an unfortunate story that too many of us know all too well. Okay, now I want to go on to how, how you talk about companies can be can be structured. And of course, I was riveted on this because you say your business isn't about making profit. And I love this. You said the more critical your overall purpose, the better it can serve your overall community at large, the more money you will ultimately make by striving to fulfill it. Ah, yummy. Say more. 
So there's a couple of things here I want everybody to listen to. Uh, there is more supply than there is demand in in every industry. There's a few segments like right now we, we can't find enough gloves and PPP that will go away. So there's little pockets once in a while where where supply is not enough for demand. But in most cases, we have too many people trying to offer the same things to the same customer. And so what the problem is, is we get all caught up in our products and services. But we solve problems. And the more you can start thinking about and putting yourself in the shoes of your potential customer, you will be able to create so much more value and achieve the purpose they need to achieve. And when you do that, all of a sudden you start finding growth becomes so much easier rather than having to put salespeople out there dialing and and getting rejected constantly. The customers are coming through the door because you're solving something that everyone else was missing. Mm-hmm. I really think that's so important, and and this is so such a simple message, but it's it's just about a subtle lens, right? So we, as business owners or leaders, we're thinking about, oh my gosh, you know, we've got to make this thing hum, and we've got to watch the the bottom line. We've got to make sure people are all right. But when we focus on other people, those being our our customers, our other stakeholders, and such, and we think about how do we serve them, right? How do we solve their problems? How do we make their dreams come true? You're right. That's exactly what happens. And so it's that other focus that's so important. Let me share a story there because I think this will give more color to everybody else in the audience. Think about whether you like Uber or not, think about what Uber did. I don't know about the rest of the people listening to this, but I remember standing in the snow trying to hail a cab. This was a nightmare in a strange city. It was hard to get uh, get a ride. The experience was horrible. I was scared to death half the time. Um, Most of the cars were just really dirty. And it was a horrible experience. So they looked out in the market. They said, this is a horrible experience. Yeah. We're going to change that experience. And that's what they did. Yeah, you know, and I can appreciate, actually, same thing. I I love Uber and I I love the shared service. notion in and of itself and I, I remember very distinctly to your point I traveled to Malaysia in 2018 I think it was to speak at a, at a conference and it was so great to walk out of the airport and there was my Uber right there waiting for me right I'm in a completely strange land it's 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 amazing it's magic right so yeah you know being able to solve a problem that somebody has or a challenge that they have right that's where the rubber meets the road no pun intended awesome um, so I want to, uh, before we go on to the, the next break here, let me just, ha- let's surface these and then I want to talk more about them after the break. But um, you you handily list in your book four categories of purposeful movement for a business and you advise that we must accomplish at least one of them at a minimum. So maybe before the break and our couple of minutes here, if you would just, just, you would talk and distinguish each of the four and after the break, we'll talk more about them. So we have first disrupting your industry. So Uber was a great example there. They looked at an industry. Airbnb was another one. After a very short time, Airbnb was actually renting more rooms than Hilton. And the reason that happened was they looked at the problem. They said, listen, we don't need to own a lot of assets. There's a lot of excess assets out there that we can tap into. And actually, the hotels are not meeting what most people need. And I travel a lot with family. And so we normally bring our moms and our our brothers and all of that and that's way too many hotel rooms so getting a house a large house was much more cost effective and much better for a family vacation than a hotel uh, when you look at uncommon service uh, actually my favorite example is amazon 
the Amazon effect has been amazing in terms of service. We now expect, and by the way, recently, you guys know, it slowed down for Uber a little bit because of COVID, and we were furious. We're expected to be able to get anything anywhere by tomorrow. Right, that's right. How's that for service? I mean, they changed it. And by the way, I could be anywhere in just a few clicks away. I can find what I need in seconds and I don't have to leave my house. I don't have to leave my backyard. That is service. At Shopping a whole in other my level. yeah. Yes. Um, then, then you have changing the world. Um, you know, to me, the, those are more like your nonprofits. And uh, so I love City Year. I've been involved in their board, and they believe every child has a right to an excellent education. So they go into the inner cities, and they they marry up mentors to help these kids that are usually three to six grade levels behind in the classroom move up, catch up, and actually get into college. And to me, when you're changing lives like that, you're impacting lives like that, we're changing the world. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the last one is kind of excellence. And, you know, there's a lot of companies you could put in here. I'm going to say Google, you know, in this particular case, when your name becomes a verb, you're you're the best in the world at what you right. do and no one has been better at building algorithms uh than they have and because of that they've they've uh, done handsomely and what i want everybody in the audience to understand is you've got to look through these lenses when you're thinking about how you want to make a difference with your organization and look through and sometimes it's a combination of maybe two of those uh, usually not more than two but if you can't say you fall into one of those four categories you probably have missed the whole picture of purpose. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said, Howard. And we'll talk more about that after the break. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We're on the air with, with uh, Howard Shore talking about his book, The Leader Launchpad, Five Steps to Fuel Your Business and Lift Your Profits. We'll be right back after the break. Stay with us. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I have another announcement for you. If you didn't know this, we've launched the Gusto Now platform. It's an e-learning platform designed to deliver professional and leadership development courses. We do that in English, Spanish, and Portuguese because I speak all those languages and I love them. So fun for us. Now, if you're just joining us, my guest is Howard Shore, founder and CEO of Activate Group and the author of The Leader Launchpad and Your Business is a Leaky Bucket. You joined us today from Miami, Florida. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So I wanted just to take a little bit more on those areas that we talked about before the break, Howard, about these are the four categories that you talk about of purposeful movement for a business. And again, for our listeners and those that are just coming in, those categories are disrupting your industry, uncommon services, changing the world, and excellence. 
And so um, one of the other things that you say in your book that I think is important for our listeners to, to really hear and, and, see, and, and experience this message through that lens is you talk about that look, look, look at purpose through these four lenses and determine which of these four ignites your passion. Then ask, what purpose can my company serve within that category? Um, and so what I appreciate about that is that obviously I am a person that's been cat. I've been trafficking in, in purpose and meaning for the last, I don't know, five or six years now. Um, and, but people have, people find purpose to be, you know, abstract. So I like the way that you get it, make it accessible for us. So say a little bit more about how listeners and viewers can use those categories in their business. So first of all, I want to put some color around this for everybody. So everybody here that's listening to this, if you really want to become a great leader, go work with a nonprofit and take a leadership role in a nonprofit. So one of the things I learned um, and one of the things I did was is I, I, I ran, I was a Cub Master for uh, the largest Cub Scout pack here in Florida. And by the way, I don't like the camp. Um, I don't know how to light a fire, but I was able to lead a, a large unit. But what I had to learn there is how do you get a bunch of people that already have full-time jobs, that have other things to do, that are only there because of their children, how do you mobilize them and get and get them to do a lot more than they, they would normally just sign up for? And you have to get to the heart. If you don't get to the heart and hit their, 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 um, their, 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 they get their belly fired up, then you're not going to get much help and you're going to wind up carrying all the weight. Well, it's the same thing leading a company. And so I started asking the question, I said, how do nonprofits get people to work for free? And then we've got all these employees that we pay really well and we can hardly get them to work. And I realized the problem was purpose. When we're doing something exciting, we'll knock down walls. We'll, We'll work extra. We'll work for free because what we're trying to do is so big. And, and one of the things I also found working with leaders, I can't tell you how many people have like big companies and are miserable. And it's because all they're doing is they're earning money and it's transactions. And they're like, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't know what it's because they're not doing anything that gets them really pumped up. And so when you're looking through those lenses and when you're trying to think about what you're doing, those lenses I gave you are less important than the concept of you want to get up more uh, every morning and do something that really has an impact on others in a way in one of those lenses doing something you love doing and that your employees would love to be on that journey with you nobody wants to go to work everybody wants to have an impact absolutely right yeah there's just too many stories i mean that one of the big reasons that i do the work that i do howard is that according to the gallup organization 85 percent of the global workforce doesn't want to go to work on monday morning or whenever the shift starts and that for me is a travesty because work to me is such a precious part of our lives and a way to give of ourselves be of service and give something of ourselves to the world and so making that meaningful is what i'm up to completely agree with you all right so let's get a few more tools in for our listeners here before we go um we are close to we're already wrapping up toward the end here but i really appreciated that you distinguish very very crisply between strategy and planning in your book and you write and i quote strategic thinking is the time you set aside to discuss factors outside your company consider what opportunities and threats they create for your company and deliberate about the various options to address them in to best position your company versus the competition when done correctly the planning process brings your strategy to life i love that 
so you know the nexus of this is I see so many companies get really really good at execution but they're running in circles or they're getting really good at right turns and all they do is do it faster right <laughs> um, but they're not really getting anywhere and you can see this because their companies barely grow if they grow at all as they go forward and they never ever have the impact that they thought they have and the, the problem is is they're thinking too short-term oriented and so when you do and you're planning and you don't have the long game in mind then you never quite move your company forward you never quite move your life forward if you're trying to move your career forward so if you know at the end um, you want like for example my audacious goal right now is I want to impact 500,000 lives right so uh, I, I, I drew a line on this and I said starting from this point forward I want to impact 500,000 lives as soon as I realized I wanted to impact that many people I had to change what I did I had to speak more I had to write the next book I had to hire an army of coaches so we can go out and serve enough customers that we can impact that many lives I could no longer do it myself but man I'm like God if I can change $500,000 lives how many more people would be happier it would extend to their families and 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 their neighbors and I'm like this would be freaking awesome but my plans in the past never would have gotten me there because I had no idea of my destination Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really quick, I want to I want to grab onto what you said there about the impact because for some people they might be saying, well, why do you want to make a difference of five hundred thousand lives? Well, to and you said it, but I want to bring it bring it bigger to life for people to understand is that those lives, every time you impact those five hundred thousand lives, you're right, they're going to touch somebody else's life. They're going to come home and be better human beings in inside their homes to their loved ones, to their significant other, to their dog, to the cat. They're going to be more likely to to volunteer in the community because they're more more fulfilled in, in realizing their own dreams. And so that ripple effect is huge. And that is a big thing that I cover in my book as well, because that's what we're looking for. So if we can make a difference in those lives, they just the, the effect just keeps cascading onward. And how beautiful is that? It's awesome. And I tell you, the feeling when you have somebody that you never met before comes up to you, says, thank you for what you did with our leaders. We love our job so much more. They're actually making us read the books you made them read. And that's changed their lives. You're just like, whoa, I didn't even expect that extension. Right. It's so beautiful, right, to know that we matter. In fact, you know this, Howard, right? What's the number one thing that most people crave in their work is to feel valued and appreciated, right? So it's beautiful. Okay, and, so and that hasn't changed for a you know, hundred years. I know, right? I mean, and, and it's so simple, but we we often miss it, right? We leaders often miss that. So big reason why I keep doing this work and doing the show and what I'm doing too is just to keep reminding because we all need that. Um, all right, so this was a, a positively riveting inspiration to me in your book, and listeners and viewers, it will be for you too. It's Howard says in his book, you know, you have a strong understanding of the customer when you have the lowest cost of customer acquisition in your industry, your growth rates are astronomical and your salespeople become order takers and you and your and your biggest and your biggest challenge is scaling fast enough oh yeah that sounds really good to me yeah, so, so there's a couple of things that I, yeah, after watching, you know, hundreds of companies and, and working with different organizations, I saw a big difference. Some companies, it seemed like, man, the, the business just walked in the door. Mm-hmm. And then there were the other companies, they actually had a good product or service, but their, their sales team, their marketing team worked 10 times harder. 
And what I realized was uh, the companies that we were working with that had a good product were like, they, they did not know how to articulate and they did not know how to position what they had in a way that really mattered to a buyer. And so you know, we all make choices, whether it's choosing water uh, or you know buying a meal or, or buying anything. And we're going to go through a process of which we're going to choose. And too often, you know, and we know this all as buyers, we go out and we look at the 10 choices we have and we're like, is there a difference between any one of these? Mm-hmm. No, then I want the cheapest one, right? Because I can't see the difference. So the companies I saw that were exploding, they were really good at, at segmenting a market down to a very specific buyer, understanding that buyer in a way that everybody else did not, and then learned how to speak their language. Too often we speak our language mm-hmm. of our products and services. We love what we do and we can't well to tell everybody how we built the mousetrap. They don't care. And right. and so these other companies do a much better job of positioning their products and then only giving them what they need and then stripping out everything else. And then they appreciate that versus the other companies who try to be everything to everybody and they just can't get any traction. Mm-hmm. I want to call it just a couple things that I heard in there that I think are really critical. One is that you said that, th- that these companies understand their customer. In other words, that means you really have to do the work to understand what this, what these people need or these organizations want from you. And then, too, you said, then you need to use the language that they can understand it. I mean, so often what I've seen is, to your point, is people talk about their products and services in this incredibly lofty language, but people don't know what they're talking about. And they're not they're not talking the customer's language. So I think what you said is, is it's extremely accessible for our listeners and viewers. Thank you, Howard. And every viewer can accomplish this, but they have to spend more time getting out of their offices and getting in the market and talking to potential customers and stop staying all their time inside their building, tinkering with products and services without any of that input. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So at this juncture, I, I want to make sure that we 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 address the the big elephant in the room that we still have in our company, and that's of course COVID. And and so I'm interested. Um, you know, here we've been at this for several months, and you are a, a renowned business leader and coach, Howard. And so I'm interested in some of the lessons business owners and leaders can learn and apply from COVID from your vantage point. So first of all. Uh we, we have to realize that we are all in the same storm, but different boats. Mm-hmm. So COVID means very different things depending on who I'm talking to. We have companies that are exploding, right? We have companies that have just consistently moved forward and COVID hasn't affected them. And then we can go on the other side of the spectrum and somebody's been crushed. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to share with everybody is because we don't hear this enough. I am astounded and excited about how many organizations are doing fantastic right now. They're having great years and you don't hear that. All we hear is the negativity and and yes, there's sectors that are hit. So so I think depending on what boat you're in, are, are you uh, are you resuming? Are, 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 are you uh, regressing? You know, are you rebuilding? You know, depending on what category and I think my answer is gonna be different. So one of the things I'm seeing is we definitely are clear now some people work better from home than others don't. We're right. also seeing that some people do work really well from home and we don't need all that office space. Right. Uh, we are also seeing that if you're going to have people to work 
remotely, you need to have the right process structure and infrastructure, and you have to have a you have to set it up so that you're setting them up for success as well as yourself. Uh, and so what we're seeing is, is some companies are doing that really well, and other companies, you know, they didn't mess with it too much because they're like, this is going to pass, and now it's been a lot longer than what you wanted. But but I believe there's several keys to success. If you know, COVID or not. Number one, we have to communicate vision very, very well. We have to communicate what we expect very, very well. And I think what a lot of companies found out during COVID is they sucked at that. And that that same Gallup survey that you read um, has a lot of data in there that I think the data point is only 12% of employees believe that the managers they work for communicate well. So communicate, communicate, communicate. The the other thing is, you know, we, we need to have some way of measuring that each one of us every day we have one to two key performance indicators to know whether we had a good day or a good week. And when you don't have those types of things in place, then it's very hard for those people to know they're giving you what you need. And it's very hard, particularly when they're not in your office, to to know that you're getting what you need. All you know is I'm used to seeing somebody and I can't see them. But even when people were able to see their employees, they were not managing well. They were not leading well. And all this did was exasperate that. Mm-hmm. Very nicely narrated, Howard. I agree with everything you said there. I was going to add a couple points, but you already covered them. So... <laughs> Um, fantastic. You do my work for me. It's great. Um, so I, I guess I would add just one thing in there, and that is that one thing that I, I have certainly seen is, if nothing else, we all, back to our earlier conversation, have learned that we have to continue learning, growing, and looking for new ways of, of doing business. So I would just add that in there, that the constant curiosity you were talking about before and looking for new ways to be and to be of service and to solve problems and, and challenges, that's, that would be another thing that I would just put out there. Well, and, and so there's a story behind that. I think you made an awesome point and, and, and horrible that I didn't catch it because um, look at what's happened even in our industry. So we're used to speaking in person. Uh, we're right. used to delivering everything right. in person. And then all of a sudden, we can do events and we can touch 5,000 people instead of the 100 that we had in the room. And we can make it more affordable. Right easier access and so right. i see people in our industry have done a lot more revenue this year than they ever have and it cost them a lot less and a lot less effort right, so right. something to learn absolutely right completely agree i found the same thing that that's why we started gusto now exactly right all right so we're here at the end of already so in say 30 seconds howard what would you like to leave our listeners and viewers with so i think this is a time that i want to make sure that everybody remains ambitious it's really easy in tough times in in troubling times to lose your ambition and you know if you look back over time more than 50 percent of the fortune 500 the s p 500 that we have today got created during times like this started up during times like this this was their time so i want to see to everybody Right now, I want you to be thinking, this is my time and go out and get it. Love that, Howard. What a great way to finish. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad we found each other. Thank you for sharing your heart, your soul, and all of your experience. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Absolutely.
Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Howard Shore, the work he and his team do to liberate C-suite teams from the barriers holding them back personally and professionally, or his various books, go to his website. It's activategroupinc.com. One more time, activategroupinc.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Joanne Heyman. She's a kindred spirit who also helps men and women transform their lives and leadership to work from purpose. Next week, we'll be on the air with Ron Barger of Serbium Investors, a new venture built on conscious capitalism that seeks investors who want good returns and who desire to invest not only their wealth, but also their time and talent to enable purpose and positive change that impacts the world in a purposeful and lasting way. Promises to be a great conversation. See you there. Remember that works at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.